everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pillow Talk with Mark and B, the podcast where we just talk. I'm B, and I'm here with Marcus. Hey, hey, hey. And we got a special guest here to uh, read some stories with us. Uh, welcome to the show, Sam. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm super excited. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yeah, you uh, actually sent us an email um, about this and you had some feedback and stuff. And it was pretty interesting. And we're like, well, let's have him on. He clearly uh, knows more than us. And then you you show up and you're, you're holding the actual book in your hand. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I've had it for quite a while, quite a while. And um, this will be a learning experience for us both because, you know, I never had a chance to discuss it with anybody else. So it was all yeah. just in my head and in my early 20s, I didn't quite understand it like maybe I do now, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, like it. it is a tough read, like not just the way it's written, but also kind of the concepts and stuff can be a little, yeah, it's not for the young of heart necessarily. No, and you're right. You're absolutely right. Cool. Well, um, today we're doing chapters 22, 23, and 24. Um, I guess who's kicking us off? Yeah, I'll I'll start. Uh, so once again, we're reading the screw tape letters, and uh, it's basically a, a collection of little chapters written by a demon to another demon on how to you know corrupt humans and some of the traps that humans will fall into and stuff. So um, yeah, here we go. Chapter twenty-two. My dear Wormwood, so your man is in love, and in the worst kind he could possibly have fallen into and with a girl who does not even appear in the report you sent me. You may be interested to learn that the little misunderstanding with the secret police, which you tried to raise about some unguarded expression in one of my letters has been tidied over. If you were reckoning on that to secure my good offices, you will find yourself mistaken. You shall pay for that as well as your other blunders. Meanwhile, I enclose a little booklet just issued on the new house of correction for incompetent tempters. <laughs> it is profusely illustrated and you will not find a dull page in it. I have looked up this girl's dossier and I'm horrified at what I find. Not only a Christian, but such a Christian, a vile, sneaking, simpering, uh, demure, monosyllabic, mouse-like, watery, insignificant, <laughs> virginal, Bead and butter, butter, bread and butter, miss. Like the description. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, insult back yeah, in the day was so much better. Sack of wine. <laughs> the little brute, she makes me vomit. She stinks and scalds through the very pages of the dossier. It drives me mad. The way the world is worsened. We have had her in the, we have had her to the arena in the old days. That's what her that's what her sort is made for. Not that she she'd do much good either. A face wow, I'm having a situation <laughs> reading. A two-faced little cheat, I know sort of, who looks as if she would faint at the sight of blood and then dies with a smile. A cheat every way. Looks as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth, and yet has a satirical wit. The sort of creature who'd find me funny. Filthy, uninspired little prude, and yet ready to fall into the bloody ar- or the boobies' arms like other breeding animal. Why does the enemy blast her for it if he's so moonstruck by virginity, instead looking, oh, there, grinning? 
He's a hedonist at, he's a hedonist at heart. All those fasts and vigils and stakes and crosses are only a facade or only like a form on the seashore. Out at sea, out in his sea, there is pleasure and more pleasure. He makes no secret of it. At his right hand are pleasures for everyone or pleasures for evermore. Ah, I don't think he has been, I don't think he has least inkling of the that high and austere mystery to which we raise in the miseric vision. He's vulgar, Wormwood. He has a bulbous or burgoyce mind. He has filled his world full of pleasures. There are things from humans that to do all day long without his mind, without his minding in the least. Sleeping, washing, eating, drinking, making love, playing, praying, working. Everything has to be twisted before it's any use to us. We fight under cruel disadvantage. Nothing is natural on our side. Not that you, not that that excuses you. I'll settle with you presently. You have always hated me and been insolent when you're dared. Then, of course, he gets to know this woman's family and whole circle. Could you not see that the very house she lives in is one that he ought never to have entered? The whole place reeks of that deadly odor. The very gardener, though he has only been there five years, is beginning to acquire it. Even guests after weekend visits carry some of the smell away with them. The dog and the cat are tainted with it, and the house is full of impenetrable mystery. We are certain it is a matter of first principles that each member of the family must in some way be making capital out of others, but we can't find out how. They guard as jealously as the enemy himself the secret of what really lies behind the pretense of disinterested love. The whole house and garden is one vast obscenity. It bears a sickening resemblance to the description one human writer made of heaven. The regions where there is only life and therefore all of that music is silence. Music and silence, how I detest them both. How thankfully we should be that ever since our father entered hell, though longer ago than humans, reckoning in light years, could express no square inch of infernal space and a, no moment of infernal time has been surrendered to either those abominable forces. But all, those, but all has been occupied by noise. Noise, the grand dynamicism, the audible expression of all that is excludent, ruthless, and virile. Noise which only defends us from silly qualms, despairing scruples, and impossible desires. We will make the whole universe a noise in the end. We have already made great strides in the direction as regards to earth. The melodies and silences of heaven will be shouted down in the end. But I admit we are not yet loud enough or anything like it. Research and progress. Meanwhile, you disgusting little... And then it puts in like brackets. Here, the MS breaks off and is resumed in a different hand. Message. In oh, the message oh. breaks off. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. In the heat of composition, I find that I have inadvertently allowed myself to assume the form of a large centipede. <laughs> I am accordingly dictated to the rest of my secretary. Now the transformation is complete. I recognize it is a periodical phenomenon. Some rumor of it has reached the humans and distorted account of it appears in the poet Milton with the ridiculous addition that such changes of shape are punishment imposed on us by the enemy. A more modern writer, some with the name of, like 
Uh, Shaw, yeah. P-S-H-A-W. Yeah. Has, however, grasped the truth. Transformation proceeds from within the glorious manifestation of life force, which our father would worship if he worshipped anything but himself. In my present, I feel even more anxious to see you, to unite with you myself in an indis uh, indissolvable embrace. Signed, Toadpipe. For his abysmal sublimity under secretary screw tape. <laughs> yeah, he gets yeah. so mad. What are your thoughts on this one? Me? Mine? Yeah. So I'm thinking that he's uh he's kind of describing like I don't know if you know the Proverbs thirty one woman, like the, yeah. the Yes, I'm sorry? Yeah, I actually have a tattoo on my side and it's uh she laughs, yeah. but the verse is she clothes herself in strength and dignity and laughs without future laughs without laughs without something at the future to come. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that's what he's railing against there in the beginning. You know, he's so mad because this this man has found a woman to love and the, the enemy cannot abide love. You know, um, he, he just can't stand it. So he's he's degrading and tearing down this woman who has all these qualities that God would love, you know. Yeah. Um, and also a woman makes man whole. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. And it's we, easier we... to tear I'm sorry. Go ahead. We're, yeah, we're two two sides of the same coin, men and women. Like, you know, I wouldn't be the same human without B beside me. And the same for her. Absolutely. Same with me and my wife. I'm married as well. Nice. And it's easier it's easier to destroy someone who is only a half than it is a whole. Yeah. And so the compliment the complementary uh nature of man and woman there, he's he he doesn't like it. And um that's that's what I think the first part is. Yeah. Uh, now the second part is just he's just trying. The devil just tries to distract us with with noise. You know he tells he talks you there about um let's see where is it all has been occupied by noise the grand dynamism audible expression of all that is exultant ruthless and virile uh and that's just distracting us from the music of God mm. because I yeah I know you know. You have been in the church, so I know that, you know, in, in heaven, it's described as we're praising God, singing to God throughout eternity. And that's that's something that also the devil doesn't want. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've heard just going back to the woman in love and how that what's the one verse where it's like, uh, but the greatest of these is love. First Corinthians 13. Wow. Hope and love. <laughs> that's in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's hope so and love. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that that's like yeah, that's the yeah. The enemy hates that. Like it's our most most powerful weapon is to love not only our our loved ones but also our enemies. You know, this one also talked about the family and the house and how they this guy goes into the house and you can walk away and you still feel that joy. You still feel like and I think I was even talking to one of my friends the other day and she had said that kind of for the first time in her life she's surrounded by solid friends who not only have higher expectations for themselves. <laughs> but the people around her. So she feels like she has to, like she owes herself that now that she's kind of around that energy and around that like power empowerment or whatever, she feels like she can do better and expect <clears throat> for herself. And I really think it's a testament. Like we are the comp we're yeah, we're, what is that phrase? We are the Some summary of people yeah. around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Show me, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, any other thoughts? Um, no, maybe my other quick thought is just like going to that music part and like, uh, I've heard the universe described during like the creation, maybe not in like Christian mythos, but like the music of the universe and like the set, like even in Narnia, which C.S. Lewis wrote, they like Absolutely. in some of the creation, there was singing. There was always mm -hmm. singing. And I'm just thinking about that now. I never really thought about that. Yeah, there was yeah. music and that's what the world was created from. The song. Mm -hmm. There's, oh, a, there's a lot of creation myths that have music. I don't know if the Lord of the Rings, the creation is uh, music. Yeah, the song. The yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, no, music is a powerful thing. Like, you know, we've all heard a song that's made us cry before, you know, that's just hit us so perfect. So, yeah. It's Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, chapter 23, you want to take this one? Sure, I sure will. Chapter 23. <clears throat> My dear Wormwood. Through this girl and her disgusting family, the patient is now getting to know more Christians every day and very intelligent Christians too. For a long time, it will be quite impossible to remove spirituality from his life. Very well then, we must corrupt it. No doubt you have often practiced transforming yourself into an angel of light as a parade ground exercise. Now is the time to do it in the face of the enemy. The world and the flesh have failed us. A third power remains. And success of this third kind is the most glorious of all. A spoiled saint, a Pharisee, an inquisitor, or a magician makes better sport in hell than a mere common tyrant or debauchee. Looking around your patient's new friends, I find that the best point of attack would be the borderline between theology and politics. Several of his new friends are very much alive to the social implications of their religion. That, in itself, is a bad thing, but good can be made out of it. You will find that a good many Christian political writers think that Christianity began going wrong and departing from the found doctrine of its founder at a very early stage. Now, this idea must be used by us to encourage once again the conception of a historical Jesus, to be found by clearing away later accretions and perversions, and then to be contrasted with a whole Christian tradition. In the last generation, we promoted the construction of such a historical Jesus on liberal and humanitarian lines. We are now putting forward a new historical Jesus on Marxian, catastrophic, and revolutionary lines. The advantages of these constructions, which we intend to change every 30 years or so, are manifold. In the first place, they all tend to direct men's devotion to something which does not exist, for each historical Jesus is unhistorical. The documents say what they say and cannot be added to. Each new historical Jesus, therefore, has to be got out of them by suppression at one point and exaggeration at another. And by, and by that sort of guessing, brilliant is the adjective we teach humans to apply to it, on which no one risks 10 shillings in the ordinary life, but which is enough to produce a crop of new Napoleons, new Shakespeare's, and new Swifts in every publisher's autumn list. Oh, that was a huge sentence. In the second place, all such constructions place the importance of their historical Jesus in some peculiar theory he is supposed to be have promulgated. He has to be a great man in the modern sense of the word, one standing at the terminus of some centrifugal and unbalanced line of thought, a crank vending a panacea. We thus distract men's minds from who he is and what he did. We first make him solely a teacher and then conceal the very substantial agreement between his teachings and those of all other great moral teachers. 
For humans must not be allowed to notice that all great moralists are sent by the enemy, not to inform men, but to remind them, to restate the primeval moral platitudes against our continual concealment of them. We make the sophists. He raises up the Socrates to answer them. Our third aim is, by these constructions, to destroy the devotional life. For the real presence of the enemy, otherwise experienced by men in prayer and sacrament, we substitute a merely probable, remote, shadowy, and uncouth figure, one who spoke a strange language and died a long time ago. Such an object cannot, in fact, be worshipped. Instead of the creator adored by its creature, you soon have merely a leader proclaimed by a partisan, and finally a distinguished character approved by a judicious, judicious historian. And fourthly, besides being unhistorical in the Jesus it depicts, religion of this kind is false to history in another sense. No nation and few individuals are really brought into the enemy's camp by the historical study of the biography of Jesus simply as biography. Indeed, materials for a full biography have been withheld from men. The earliest converts were converted by a single historical fact, the resurrection, and a single theological doctrine, the redemption, operating on a sense of sin which they already had, and sin not against some new fancy dress law produced as a novelty by a great man, but against the old platitudinous universal moral law, which they have been taught by their nurses and mothers. The gospels come later and were written not to make Christians, but to edify Christians already made. The historical Jesus then, however dangerous he may seem to be to us at some particular point, is always to be encouraged. About the general connection between Christianity and politics, our position is more delicate. Certainly, we do not want men to allow their Christianity to flow over into their political life, but the establishment of anything like a really just society would be a major disaster. On the other hand, we do want, and want very much, to make men treat Christianity as a means, preferably, of course, as a means to their own advancement, but failing that as a means to anything, even to social justice. The thing to do is to get a man at first to value social justice as the thing which the enemy demands and then work him on to the stage at which he values Christianity because it may produce social justice. For the enemy will not be used as a convenience. Men or nations who think they can revive the faith in order to make a good society might just as well think they can use the stairs of heaven as a shortcut to the nearest chemist shop. Fortunately, it is quite easy to coax humans around this little corner. Only today I have found a passage in a Christian writer where he recommends his own version of Christianity on the ground that, only such a faith can outlast the death of old cultures and the rebirth of new civilizations. You see the little rift? Believe this, not because it is true, but for some other reason. That's the game. Your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. This is an interesting one. They mentioned social justice. They, yeah. I did, the only thing coming to me was these new churches with like, like, you know, the pride flag and the mm -hmm. trans movement exactly. and all of that kind of stuff stuff it. where you know if you read the bible you know very well man created god and woman and you know or god or, created man and woman but, yeah yeah yes god created man and woman yes <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah like there are some of these churches that like kind of go with like the more new age kind of thinking of the culture and stuff i kind of just mm -hmm. think like um christians will often try to like separate themselves from politics you know they don't want to enforce their moral code on other people and stuff but ultimately every law is a moral judgment you know i was just about to say that absolutely so it's like yeah well Can you, you know expand on that 
Uh, so the, e the easiest way to expand on that would be like, okay, so murder. Why is murder wrong? Why do we have that as a law? Like right. somebody is saying this is bad. Somebody has determined mm -hmm. that. So it's a moral judgment. Every law comes from that. We wouldn't have it if if right. it wasn't morally wrong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for Christians to like go in, you know, they don't want to force their stuff on people. But also at the same time, we do. We like every culture does like we don't want bad things. We don't want people stealing. We don't want people murdering. Yeah, I know. I get that. And I think even these new age churches, it's like we all know when something's wrong. We get that pit in the stomach. We know when we do, do something wrong, there's guilt, there's shame, whatever. And it's like we're building platforms around not feeling it. Well, no, no, no. Like this church accepts it. So it has to be OK. And because I got permission from this guy, I'm not doing anything wrong anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody likes accountability. It doesn't feel great. Like. No, yeah. it doesn't. You're absolutely right. And, and I, I, I think that um, he's talking about historical Jesus. You know, the thing that Jesus wasn't white. Well, who cares? Jesus <laughs> wasn't white. Who cares? You know, yeah. that that's not the point. That's not the point. But he's he's doing that to to, again, to corrupt Christianity, to corrupt what is right and good, because it doesn't matter really what Jesus looked like. It matters what he taught, what he, what he stood for. And it wasn't for the social justice that we know today. You know, that's, that's something that is in place by the, you know, I, I don't want to be political here, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, by people who aren't, are not Christian, who are all of the world, from the world, for the world, not for the kingdom of heaven and, and for God and, you know, for the good of society. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a very interesting point you made about like white Jesus and stuff. And I've heard so many people get turned off from Christianity because they look at white Jesus and then they just say, well, he wasn't white. Like, so what else is a lie? It's like, well, don't focus on that. That's just kind of, you know, sometimes human put humans put their take on things, but focus on the themes, focus on the bigger picture here. Don't get distracted. Distracted. Exactly. exactly. You, you, you want to be able to see, God in yourself. So if there's a black Jesus, you know, somebody painted him as whatever, black, you know, uh, uh, Middle Eastern, whatever. That's fine. That's great. Perfect. It doesn't matter. Focus on what he says. You're absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely. Man, that that's just a powerful thing in general. Like, you know, in today's day and age, everyone's assuming everyone else is racist and making judgment mm -hmm. calls on other people's skin color, where it's like, that is so irrelevant. Exactly. Yeah, we all have all got the same kind of DNA. We're all got hearts that are pumping blood. We've all, yeah. Yep. Very we all bleed red. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Okay. Any last thoughts on that one? No, I don't think. I don't think so. Cool. Okay. Chapter twenty-four. My dear Wormwood, I've been in correspondence with Slum Trimpet, who is in charge of your patient's young woman, and begin to see the chink in her armor. It is an unobtrusive little vice which she shares with nearly all women who have grown up in an intelligent circle united by clearly defined belief. And it consists in quite untroubled assumptions that the outsiders who do not share this belief are really too stupid and ridiculous. The males who habitually meet these outsiders do not feel this way. Uh, their confidence, if they are confident, is of a different kind. Hers, which she supposes to be due to faith, is in reality largely due to the mere color that she has taken from her surroundings. It is not, in fact, very different from the conviction she would have felt at the age of 10 that she kind that the kind of fish knives 
used in her father's house were proper or normal or real kind, while those of the neighboring families were not real fish knives at all. Now, the element of ignorance and naivety in all this is so large in the element of the spiritual pride so small that it gives us little hope of the girl herself. But you have thought, but have you thought of how it can be made to influence your own patient? It is always the no, novice who exaggerates. The man who has risen in society is over-refined. The young scholar is pedantic, pedantic. In this new circle, your patient is a novice. He is there daily meeting Christian life of quality he never before imagined and seeing it all through an enchanted glass because he's in love. He's anxious. Indeed, the enemy commands him to imitate this quality. Can you get him to imitate this defect in his mistress and to exaggerate it until what was venile in her becomes in him the strongest and most beautiful of the vices? Spiritual pride. The conditions seem ideally favorable. The new circle in which he finds himself is one of which he is tempted to be proud for many reasons other than its Christianity. It is a better educated, more intelligent, more agreeable society than he has ever yet encountered. He is also under some degree of illusion as to his own place in it. Under the influence of love, he may still think himself unworthy of the girl, but he is rapidly ceasing to think himself unworthy of others. He has no notion how much in him is forgiven because they are charitable and make the best of because he is now one of the family. He does not dream of how much his conversation, how many of his opinions are recognized by them all as mere echoes of their own. Still less does he suspect how much of the delight he takes in these people is due to the erotic enchantment which the girl for him spreads all over her surroundings. He thinks that he likes their talk and the way of life because of some congruity between their spiritual states and his, when in fact they are so far beyond him that if he were not in love, he would merely he would be merely puzzled and repelled by much, which he now accepts. He is like a dog which should imagine it understood firearms because its haunting instinct and love for its master enables it to enjoy a day's shooting. Here is your chance. While the enemy, by means of sexual love and some very agreeable people far advanced in his service, is drawing the young barbarian up to levels he could never otherwise have reached, you must make him feel that he is finding his own level, that these people are his sort, and that coming among them, he has come home. When he turns from them to other society, he will find it dull, partly because almost any society within his reach is in fact much, much less entertaining, but still more because he will miss the enchantment of the young woman. You must teach him to mistake this contrast between the circle that delights and the circle that bores him for the contrast between Christi Christians and unbelievers. He must be made to feel, he'd better not put it into words, how different we Christians are. And by we Christians, he must really but unknowingly mean my set. And by my set, uh, he must mean not the people who in their charity and humility have accepted me but the people with whom I associate by right. Success here depends on confusing him. If you try to make him explicitly and professedly proud of being Christian, you will probably fail. The enemy's warnings are too well known. If, on the other hand, 
he let the idea of we Christians drop out altogether and merely make him complacent about his said, you will produce a true spiritual pride, but merely social vanity, which by comparison is trumpery, puny little sin. What you want is to keep a sly self-congratulation mixing with all of his thoughts and never allow him to raise the question, what precisely am I congratulating myself about? The idea of belonging to the inner ring of being in secret is very sweet to him. Play on that nerve. Teach him, using the influence of this girl, which is the silliest, to adopt an air of amusement at all the things the unbelievers say. Some theories which he may meet in modern Christian circles may here prove helpful theories, I mean, that place of hopes of society in some great inner ring of clerks, some trained minority of theocrats. It is no affairs of which, uh, it was no affairs of yours, whether those theories are true or false. The great thing is to make Christianity a mystery, religion in which he feels himself one of the initiates. Pray, do not fill your letters with rubbish about this European war. His final issue, no doubt important, but it is the matter for the high command. I am not the least interested in knowing how many people in England have been killed by bombs. In what state their mind died, I can learn from the office at this end that they are going to die some way. I knew already, please keep in mind your work. Your affectionate uncle, Skirtape. Okay, just my initial thoughts, just like, you can definitely tell that this is a junior like demon like he's getting distracted like I like that this guy's like I don't care about that like I want to talk about your patient bring me to your patient your patient your patient so like I mean even the junior demons aren't really like they have to be taught to hate or taught to manipulate or taught Mm -hmm. to you know and they get distracted Mm -hmm. which is interesting but everyone's gonna learn What are your thoughts on this one? Um, so the thing is, I, I think he's talking about fake Christians. You know, people who are, you know, they say their Christian name, they go to church and, you know, they, you, you see them do all the right things. But then they behind closed doors or in their minds they they that they don't believe, you know, mm-hmm. they they are uh, they they don't read and study and search out and try to know God. That's what I think he's talking about. He wants he wants them he wants this man to, you know, join all these circles and look good, you know, look like he's a Christian, especially since he's trying you know trying to have sex with this woman, which you know that talks about. Um, and in order to you know to do that, he has to put on airs of a Christian, but he's trying to teach him that that don't 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 think about Christianity. I think these are my people, but you're not Christian. And that's, mm-hmm. he's like a fake Christianity. That's that's yeah. what I got out of it. That mm-hmm. spiritual pride piece. Even when she's talking about yeah. like women, women are worse at this than men, where it's like, well, we have the better knives. Like they have knives, but it's not like the real Christians. Like it's not like the real church or they've got a fake church. And because I'm part of this church, it's gotta be better. And it's like that spiritual pride yeah. piece is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't have much thoughts on this one. Um, nothing really jumped out at me, but um, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting book. It is. It really is. Ha- have you read this book before or you just had it for a long time and kind of? I read it when I was 19, 20 years old. I'm 40. I'm over 40. Um, I read it when I was 19 or 20. And like I said, 
a lot of it, you know, in your early 20s, late teens, you just don't understand because you just don't have the life experience and you don't have the teaching or the knowledge to, especially some of these words, even rereading it today, I had to look some of them up. I had no yeah. idea what they meant. Yeah. Yeah. We've been looking a lot of and, these words up. <laughs> yeah. And, and imagine people back in the 40s, they knew these words. They didn't have to look them up. Yeah. They were so much so, smarter back then. We've just gotten dumber and yeah. dumber so bad. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I tell my children all the time that unfortunately, while these, this technology that we're talking on is awesome, wonderful, great, it's the worst thing that ever happened to humankind. Yeah. yeah. It is so stupid. Yeah. Okay. I've got a question. Given that you have children, um, how would you bring this book to your kids and teach them? Like, how would you go about going through this book with your kids? Would, would you so wait? One of them is 20. Okay. Yeah. One of them's 20 and one of them's 13. I'd probably wait until they're a little older. Um, my older one, unfortunately, we, we brought up both the kids. Um, they were both baptized Catholic. I'm not Catholic. My wife is Catholic. We baptized both of them Catholic. We now attend a, um, my, my wife, my younger child and myself, we attend a non-denominational church. Um, but I would wait until they're a little older because some of the concepts in here are a little bit more adult themed and yeah. uh, a little harder for them to understand. Because like I said, even at 20, I yeah. didn't understand it. Yeah. So I think it, it's more for an adult uh, adult audience. Yeah. And and even if you take away the concepts and you just look at the book from on, at face value, like it's written by a demon, quote unquote, you know, yeah. like, uh, and that's not necessarily something you want to introduce to younger people, you know, like Correct. Uh, sometimes, um, a lot of people will convert to Christianity out of fear when they're younger, you know, they're told they're going to go to hell or something. So you don't want to like ram demons into their head that like all these demons are trying to manipulate them behind the scenes while that is happening and stuff. Like, I don't know yeah. if you just want, you don't want to impart like those kind of ideas too young. Otherwise it can be very detrimental. Like, you know, then you're kind of always looking around your shoulder, paranoid or like. Even in this book, it talks about how fear is one of their best tools. Mm -hmm. and yes. Like, yeah. Um, so I, 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 I read you, you, we were talking, I read the, I haven't reread the whole book since you started, but I have been listening to your podcast and um, I, I, it going back and, and thinking about it, especially through your eyes. It has, you guys have made me see things in a different light, even when I read it, um, talking now, I'm sorry, I'm kind of disjointed and okay. I, I don't usually do things like this, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, just listening to today, you know, it, I got a new light on, on things, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's what I, that's what I think, uh, we all need, um, and reading this book with others, um, maybe, maybe if I were to do it, I would do it in like a, um, a group of other adults, yeah. you know, like a, a group setting, you know, like a small church group or whatever, and then just have the kids there. And that yeah. way we could all, um, talk about, read it, first of all, talk about it and discuss its meaning, what, what we think of the themes of the, each chapter or letter or whatever it is. And, you know, try to, uh, keep the fear from, from the from the kids because you're some of this stuff is quite quite scary 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, when you start that, that, those meetings, that small group at church, you let us know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) I will. (laughs) So I got a question for you. So when did you become a Christian and was there like a key moment in your life that kind of really flipped it or were you kind of like, what's your kind of testimonial, your story? Okay, sure. So I can tell you when I first truly started believing in God, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Was there like out, a not truly? So yes, absolutely. You know, you, as a child, it, your, your parents tell you to go to church and you, you know, you go and sit and listen. Do you really believe? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Tell you the truth. I did not myself, but I can tell you when I started myself believing that God was real and he, you know, he loved me. Um, so, and it, I worked for Walmart for a long time. Um, I worked for Walmart for 20 plus years. I was a, um, I was a home office manager in, in what's called store planning. And what they did was they went around the country remodeling Walmart. So I've been from Philadelphia to Seattle and lots of places in between. Now, my first store in 2005, six, I don't know, some, somewhere like that. Um, I was going home for my first time because you were out for so long and you get to go home. I woke up late and I was speeding down a highway in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, coming, going from Paris, Tennessee to Nashville, where my the airplane was. Well, it was, like I said, in the middle of nowhere. I did not have cell phone reception. You know, 2005, it, cell phones weren't like they are now. Um, and there was a little side road where a Camaro just apparently didn't see me. I don't know what happened, but he, he cut out right in front of me, uh, going the opposite way of me. He did. I, to slam down my brakes, swerved out of the road, hit some gravel and I spun out and hit a ditch on the side of the road. I was mad. Okay. I wrecked my car, no cell phone service didn't know anybody in the middle of nowhere. How am I going to get home? I don't know where I am. I don't, you know, so I am throwing a fit in my card and all of a sudden I said, God, thank you, but I'm in trouble. (laughs) I need some help (laughs) and I need to be calm and figure out how, what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you instantly I'm calm. I was, thinking more clearly okay there's a house i can see a house over here i can go but not two minutes later not even i didn't even get on my car um three men in trucks you know three of them in the middle pulled my car out of the ditch and i was able to oh my god thank you so much you know that's and and i was able to get to the airport now unfortunately my plane was canceled but you know, that's neither here nor there, but I was able to get there. on. <laughs> uh, so God was there for me in that moment. And that yeah. is how I know God exists because yeah, you... how else would that have happened? Yeah. So you just felt like this overwhelming sense of peace, clarity, and then all of a sudden yes. you were given help. Yes. But- I love that. Like, you know, if if ever there's a feeling that God's supposed to give you, it's supposed to be that peace in the storm, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, and I was raging, like, <laughs> you know, and just calm, collected, cool, you know. Yeah. And that is. Have you ever, like, how would you describe the presence of God to somebody who 
has never like felt it like have you ever heard an audible voice have you ever felt somebody sitting beside you like anything like that how would you describe your presence I have not felt a um I have not felt a a presence beside me. No, I haven't. Um, but you know sometimes there's um, and I'm praying or I'm you know trying out. So now on my way to work, um, I turn the radio off. I sit in silence in my car and I talk to God. You know, I'll just like not always, but sometimes I'll speak out audibly. Just you know, just like I'm talking to you, like I'm talking to God. I'll you know. And sometimes I'll hear a voice, you know, way back in the back of my head, little bitty. And, you know, he just says, I don't know what, you know, whatever he's going to say at the time, um, yeah. little advice or encouragement or, you know, just whatever it is. Yeah. And that's how, that's how I feel, God, just a, you know, just a small, small, tiny voice speaking to me in my, in my head. I... And you have to listen real hard. <laughs> Yeah, and you have to differentiate. Is that my voice? Is that an outside in? Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, on sure. that note, how do you differentiate? Yeah, that's so. Some sometimes you just know. You know, mm. there's there's no other way to know. I mean, there's no other way to say that. You just know. That's not yeah. a thought that I would have come up with on my own. You know, there's just that's that's my experience. Very cool. Um, if you had one thing to say to people like me and B who were, we're not Christian, but like we hold true to like almost the majority of Christian tenets. Is there anything you could want to say to us? Like, I don't know, any advice, any wisdom? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, if you're holding to Christian tenets and you have the belief, you know, you, you do you believe in the word of God? Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? I think it's more of like a history book. It could be used as like a history book kind of thing. It, it, it is. It is. But then how do you explain the theology? So what is the theology behind it? Hmm. Because a lot of those, a lot of those letters are not history. They are theology. They are teaching you what is good and right. Yeah. And what is, um, and, uh, they're teaching you morality you know that is not that's not history so if if you think it's a history book what are those Hmm. see yeah because i think that there's i i think i don't know i don't know how to say this right okay so jesus spoke in parables and stories and Mm -hmm. that's just how we receive information the best but there's the quran and there's other books that can also teach us really valuable lessons and blah 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 so i kind of think that the bible is one of those sets of teachings where it's like you should know it you should know about it you should know the 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 stories the lines the 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 lessons all that kind of stuff but i don't think that you should limit yourself to that book okay so let's go back to the screw safe letters the screw safe letters said that god sends all moralists Mm. yeah yeah did you hear that episode that we did about addicted to religion I haven't. Um, there's, I've, I have listened to a, a bunch of your episodes, but I, I, I have so many podcasts in my feed. Sometimes I just miss them. You know, no yeah. offense. I'm not trying to. No, no, no. That's a get off our show. Can you do me a favor? <laughs> and when you listen to that, if you end up getting around to that, I would love to have a conversation with you about that because there's okay. a lot of interesting things that he had said. And because we come from a background of Christianity, 
I like, it's just, I'm, I'm very interested to hear your take on some of that because in his mind, it was like, you know, all of those are part of God. All of the yeah. things that he talked about were teachings that God wants us to know and uh, messengers that he sent and all that kind of stuff. And it was very interesting. I've never heard about religion talked about like the way that he talked about it. It was very interesting. So you had a guest for that, for that episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was, he's uh, the, he, He's not the leader, but he's he's a representative from Gays Against Groomers. Um, I, I but... have heard one one episode of, of that oh, with with him. I've ever I've heard an episode with him. Yeah, we yeah. we did too because he was such a fascinating character. Yeah, he what? was talking about um, go back and anthroposophy, which is a system okay. established by Rudolf Steiner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, I don't like. I'm definitely. I would never be able to summarize it as eloquently as he did but i'm very interested to hear your thoughts on that okay i'll go back and listen to it and i'll i'll, I'll send you some messages cool. I like that. cool well i really appreciate you joining us for this this has been really i'm glad that you came because i don't like especially that woman of proverbs thing i don't think i would have picked that up from it and i'm glad you mentioned it because i've actually been looking into that we're just like well let's see how good of a woman i am and like I'm not the, I mean, I guess I do get up early, but like, uh, but there were a couple things I was like, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, no, I'm glad that you were on this with us. And if you ever want to jump on another one, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I guess, I guess my final question is how, how did you hear about Pillow Talk even? Uh, I listened to Lorehammer. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And I was so sad to uh, to see it go, but you know, all good things must come to an end. Yeah, well, you I'm know. still doing a Lorehammer listener lore, so I'm reading out stories and having guests on. So this fun hasn't fully ended yet, but uh, you've got stories. Yeah, I, I, I've I've been listening to those too. Perfect, good man. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Cool. Yeah. Well, I guess we can end this here. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on this. I really, really appreciate it. Um, if anybody you. else has uh, the desire to be on, to read things with us, to teach us things, to give us some added perspective, we always love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so feel free to email us at pillowtalkwithmarkandb at gmail.com. And you can also support the show at Patreon. Yeah. Pillow Talk with Mark and B. Cool. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you, Sam. Have a good nice rest of your day. You too, thank you. You too, thanks. <laughs>